Welcome to the Anonymous Podcast. This episode will be a basic text study and commentary. The aim is to provide insight to and context of the material within our basic text, Narcotics Anonymous. This is not a meeting of Narcotics Anonymous. However, there will be some similarities in how the study will be conducted. Each study will have the audio recorded and then published to the Anonymous Podcast. The overall goal is to provide commentary of the basic text towards reaching those seeking a resource like this. If one person benefits from our efforts, including us, then our participation will be well worth the effort. We're going to have introductions, and then we'll jump into the text. Enjoy. Hi, my name's Paul. I'm an addict. Uh, I got clean in New Orleans, Louisiana. I attend meetings in New Orleans and the Pensacola area. Uh, my home group is the Open Mind Group that meets on Monday nights at 730 uh, I'm so glad to be a part of this podcast, and uh, if you're on a relapse, come back to the fellowship. We need you. Phil Attic. My clean date is 4-1995. Um, I live in Pitt, Pitt, uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and um, my home group is uh, Men in Recovery in Pittsburgh at the uh, Anala Recovery uh, Center. Hey, I'm Jessica. Um, I'm from Berea, Kentucky, and we're part of the Kentucky Survivors area. My clean date is December 1st, 2015, and my home group is NA as such in Nicholasville, Kentucky. We meet Monday nights at 7. Hi, everybody. My name is Donna. I'm an addict. I live in Eugene, Oregon. My clean date is Thanksgiving, 1985. My home uh, area is Lane County area of Narcotics Anonymous. We have lots of great meetings out here. Come on out and see us. Happy to be here. Hi, everybody. My name is Eva P. from uh, Salem, Oregon. My clean date is 6-10-2000. My area is the Mid-Willamette Valley area of Narcotics Anonymous. My home group is Live for Today, and uh, it's on Wednesday nights at 7.30 at Westminster Church. Come and find me. I would love to meet you. Hey, I'm Edgar. I'm an addict. Uh, my clean date is March 9th, 2015. I am from the capital area of NA in uh, Raleigh, North Carolina. So hope you enjoy the podcast. Hello, everyone. My name is Brian B. I am an addict. Uh, my clean date is 11-18-2019. Uh, I'm a member of the WE area of Narcotics Anonymous. Anonymous. My home group is the Sunday morning literature meeting of NA. Uh, come down and see us sometime. We'd love to have you. Hey, family. My name is Allison C. I'm an addict. Um, I live in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and I'm in the Bayou Recovery Area. My clean date is April 13th, 2010. Thanks. I'm an addict. My name is Douglas L. My clean date is March 12th, 2000 got clean in southwestern Pennsylvania. Uh, really excited that you're tuning in. I suggest that you get your basic text, a highlighter, and a pen or pencil. And uh, here we go. Welcome back, everybody, to the basic text study for the Anonymous podcast. This is episode nine. We're going to begin on page 18. These are some, and Donna P is going to facilitate. Donna P, take it away. Hey, everybody. <clears throat> We're going to start at the bottom of page 18. Um, and I'll just start reading and then pass it on to somebody else. So tonight, we're gonna, I'm gonna ask you to read one or two paragraphs and then share about what you read. And if you don't want to, just say pass and we'll get somebody else on. 
So these are uh, some of the questions we have asked ourselves. Are we sure we want to stop using? Do we understand that we have no real control over drugs? Do we recognize that in the long run, we didn't use drugs, they used us? Do jails and institutions take over the management of our lives at different times? Do we fully accept the fact that our every attempt to stop using or control our using failed? Do we know that our addiction changed us into someone we didn't want to be? Dishonest, deceitful, self-willed people at odds with ourselves and our fellow man. Do we really believe that we have failed as drug users? So I'll just start with that. And you know, one of the things I would say is like, <clears throat> these are really good questions to ask when you're coming to understand the powerlessness and unmanageability in your life. Um, I didn't answer, I don't answer yes to all those questions, but the one about uh, did my addiction change me into someone I didn't want to be dishonest, deceitful, self-willed people at odds with ourselves and our fellow man. And absolutely. And I didn't know myself anymore without the use of drugs. I had no idea who I was when I was not using anymore. And I had no idea that drugs were controlling my behavior. And, um, you know, it really took some time away from drugs for me to see how drugs had affected my life. So that's what's true for me. Um, my mother, <laughs> bless her heart, used to uh, um, wear a t-shirt that says, I'm not an alcoholic, alcoholics go to meetings, I'm a drunk. And um, so uh, she did that just to get my goat, which I thought it was pretty hilarious because this part of says, do we really believe that we have failed as drug users? And honestly, you know, I was really young when I got clean um, and, um, and I really had failed at so many things. So it could have been much worse than it was, um, but it was bad enough. Who would like to share, else would like to share about that? Okay, we'll just go ahead and move on. Paul, would you read the next uh, paragraph? Sure, I'm Paul, I'm an addict. Uh, when we were using, reality became so painful that oblivion was preferable. We tried to keep other people from knowing about our pain. We isolated ourselves and lived in prisons that we built with loneliness. Through this desperation, we sought help in Narcotics Anonymous. When we come to NA, we are physically, mentally, and spiritually bankrupt. We have hurt so long that we are willing to go to any length to stay clean. Our only hope is to live by the example of those who have faced our dilemma and have found a way out. Regardless of who we are, where we came from, or what we have done, we are accepted in NA. Our addiction gives us a common ground for understanding one another. As a result of attending a few meetings, we begin to feel like we finally belong somewhere. It is in these meetings that we are introduced to the 12 steps of Narcotics Anonymous. We learn to work the steps in the order that they are written and to use them on a daily basis. The steps are our solution. They are our survival kit. They are our defense against addiction, which is a deadly disease. Our steps are the principles that make our recovery possible. I remember I was using in a bathhouse one, one time and I was in the room by myself and I was so high that I thought, why don't they come in here and get me? And I couldn't even get it together to walk out of the room 
and ask for help. And that it's such a metaphor for where addiction took me that I knew where I was was not okay physically, mentally, spiritually, any of that. I knew it wasn't okay, but I couldn't summon the, the will to get out of that isolation, that disease of isolation and ask for help. So whenever we see somebody walk through the doors of Narcotics Anonymous, it's, it, I admire the courage. You know, I, I know when people are coming back from relapses or, mm -hmm. you know, kind of slinking in thinking, oh my God, I'm back here. It's like you crawl back in the, in the lifeboat and everybody's just relieved you got back out of the water. So if you are walking around out there wanting to come back, we love when you walk back in. It gives us hope. It is not it is not a shameful act. It will feel shameful, but that's that's the lie our disease tells us to keep us out there. And, and once you know what, I came into Narcotics Anonymous and you can stay clean on just going to meetings. You can stay clean on just going to conventions and campouts and dances and all that stuff, but you can't stay clean forever on that. And and the last two paragraphs are about the steps. Our steps are the principles that make our recovery possible. And I have to remember that, um, that this, this process is ongoing and I have to keep up with it if I wanna keep my recovery. So that's why I'm here tonight, thanks. Thanks, Paul. Eva? So um, recently, like days ago, one of our members uh, overdosed and um, Eva, you're, you're muted again, hon. Uh, one of our, okay. So uh, last Wednesday, one of our members who was in and out, who was very charismatic, had lots of friends, went, did service, loved everybody. Everybody loved him. Um, but he forgot the survival kit that it talks about right here. And he overdosed and died on Wednesday. And, uh, you know, 150 people showed up to a, a meeting outside to honor him, you know, and I'm reminded that, that our defense addiction, it says there are, they, the steps, the steps are the defense against addiction, not how popular we are, not how charismatic we are, not how many campouts we attend, not even how many meetings we go to, how many people we know, how many pictures we took with every human being in the fellowship. Um, because when it came down to it, you know, just couldn't stop. And that's what it tells us right here. Like we have to use the survival kit it, it doesn't work when we just hold the kit. We have to apply it. So um, I think that I, I just have, was moved by that because I'm reminded that we have to learn to work the steps. We come to meetings and we, we meet somebody who gets to teach us how to do this. So, um, but we have to be willing. We have to be in so much pain that we're willing to go to any length, right? Even Zoom, even podcasts, even even 
wearing a mask to a damn meeting, which I hate. I'm sorry, but I do, right? Like, I hate them. I feel like I'm going to suffocate. But if I don't do those things, I will die. So, um, yeah, it was it was put in my lap this week that I am reminded again, without the steps, we will surely die. Thanks, Eva. Phil? Wow, uh, good stuff. Um, I just want to, I'll be real quick. I just wanted to uh, uh, expound on that. Um, uh, when we come, come to NA, we are physically, mental, spiritually uh, bankrupt. And uh, uh, that was me. You know, uh, I had said before a uh, few meetings uh, back here that, uh, that zo zombies are for real. And uh, on that uh, bankruptcy note, uh, I, I was just so empty, so broken. And, and, and like it says, we have hurt so long we're willing to go to any length to stay clean. Um, I knew uh, the next one was going to be my last one. I, I knew that in my heart of hearts, uh, how how bad I was um, reduced down uh, to that, so empty, so um, mm, so desperate, and in so much uh, despair. Um, I, I knew in my hearts of hearts, uh, I take the next one, I'm, I'm going to be dead. But um, uh, real quick, it's, it's, it's back to that full fruits of the labor of love or lives in that harvest. And, and like, like it says, uh, that hope is going to be with a, um, another um, recovering uh, person. That, that's the dilemma that we're in. And, and it's the common ground with another uh, uh, addict, uh, understanding uh, one another, the best understands us. And then naturally the steps, and it talks about it, it being a deadly disease. That's it. Thank you. You know, uh, there's a, um, the top of that last paragraph, it says, as a result of attending a few meetings, we began to feel like we finally belonged somewhere. It is in these meetings that we are introduced to the 12 steps of, of Narcotics Anonymous. Does anybody want to talk about that, about their, after going to a few meetings and feeling like you belong somewhere? Edgar? Yeah, um, I can definitely relate to that. And, you know, kind of like, I was thinking too about what Paul was sharing uh, of like, you're getting high, but you know, this is not what you should be doing, right? And, uh, you know, this this last time, getting clean before getting clean um my last couple of weeks of of using i would get high and i would sit there and tell my dealer that i needed a meeting and that he should probably come with me and you know he'd look at me every day and be like can you stop talking about these meetings like you know just get high and forget about it right and and it's like i already knew where i belonged right like that was my place of belonging. I had been around enough in and out of the rooms that I knew like where I should be and where the people that cared about me were, right? And, uh, you know, that's kind of what my using was like the last time I got clean and went back out and used. It was just like constantly thinking about NA while I was high and telling people about it, which was the worst part because then everybody was mad at me. 
right? Because I was just pointing it out that like, you know, it seems like you need a meeting too. And I think you should come with me. Um, and I was just, you know, advertising NA to everybody I got high with. Um, and nobody came, of course, but, you know, I still did it. Um, uh, you know, and I was also thinking about the first part we read about when reality, reality became so painful that oblivion was preferable. You know, that was my constant state of mind when I was using, I mean, you know, after working some steps and talking to my sponsor, when I first got clean, it was like, that was my go-to, you know, it, if it wasn't anything else, I just liked forgetting things. And I picked the drugs I did to forget and to pretend like things weren't happening around me. And uh, the way I used was the same thing. It's like my process of using how much I wanted to use. It was just so I could like live in this world where nothing existed. Right. And I can get caught up in that clean too. You know, like avoidance is one of my biggest defects. And if I'm not careful, like I'll fall back into this oblivion of like, I'll isolate myself so much that I don't want to talk to anybody. I pretend like people are not there, like, you know, and, and like, this is still applicable to me that like, I need to continue to work these steps that are the principles that make my recovery possible and not get caught up in this, how am I going to avoid everything around me? Right. Cause that's why I used. And, you know, sometimes I forget about that, that like, that is not how my life works today, you know, and it never really worked. Right. My problems were still there, but, uh, I like to pretend back then like it worked, but anyways, that's all I got. Thanks. Thank you, Douglas. Yeah, that was a really good share. Um, and, uh, and I could really identify, I had a sponsor tell me one time, it's like the sickest, the sickest state for an addict to be in is seeking out oblivion. And, um, and I identify with that man is like, you know, using, I need to get that maximum amount as fast as I can, you know, that, 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 that's the goal there. And, uh, with addict said right, right before me that, that's so true that we can we can get into into seasons of our recovery where character defects kind of do the same thing for us um get us to that state of you know that forgetting not having to 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 walk through life and it's pain man it's a season of pain waiting and i want to make a comment on this um when we get clean right we understand physical mental and spiritual right we take the hit there we're bottomed out in those areas and check this out we we, we sought help but but what lens do we seek help? It's through this desperation. And I think we need to focus on that because we just read and, and discussed last episode that, that that desperation is the most painful feeling us as addicts face. And so it's through that pain. Now we're willing to go to what length? Well, any length. So, so I, I wanted to make that. And then the last comment I, I, I'll make with this, and I, these three paragraphs are powerful, man. They're, they're the setup. They're like the, the, the springboard that says, hey, here's the information that, that, that I need to know to go through the, the, the step work, right? But, but there's a challenge to us who, who's been clean um, for any length of time, you know, and it's the second paragraph that Paul read in, in the sentence reads, our only hope is to live by the example of those who have faced our dilemma and who have found a way out. And, and that's the comment that I want to make here is, you know, if you're listening to this and you're following along with your basic text, underline or highlight the word those. That's us. 
like we are those. And so the responsibility that we have and while we're doing this study and why we, why we suit up and show up and, and, and we stay up a little bit later to talk to somebody who feels like you whatever it is, it's because that that's the hope that we get to pass on. Right. With the same hope that was given to us, you know, so, so if we're clean and we're working the program, we become those and it's our re responsibility to, to be active in the program. So th those are going to be my comments. I'll pass. Thank you. I think um, where it says that it, regardless of who we are and what we've done, where we came from, we're welcome in Narcotics Anonymous. And sometimes we forget that, right? We're not here to judge. And literally, you guys, people come in here with some ugly shit. They've done things. We have done things to other people that is part of our trauma, right? And, um, and uh, we had some stuff go on not too long ago where a guy came into a meeting that you know was outed as a child molester and people were not welcoming him in meetings and I'm like mm -mm, you come right over here and start right next to me because if you're in this meeting and you're clean and you're looking for solutions I want you here don't let, you don't let them around the kids you know keep the kids out of the meeting because he belongs in the meeting the kids don't necessarily belong in the meeting um, the other thing it says, uh, we begin to feel like we finally belong somewhere. And um, I don't know if this was the same for you guys, but after I started the regular attendance of meeting, like going to meetings, going to meetings, going to meetings, people started recognizing me. People would say, hey, Donna, how you doing? You staying clean, you know? And pretty soon, it really didn't take long until I realized that I really was welcome. I was welcomed someplace and I hadn't been really welcomed someplace in a very long time. Okay, so we're gonna get into the solutions. Here we go. All right, Douglas, and let's, you guys, let's just take this a paragraph at a time. This is really important, thick stuff. So let's just take it a pair of time, paragraph at a time. Douglas, you wanna read that first uh, paragraph starting with step one? Yeah, step one, we admitted that we were powerless over our addiction, that our lives had become unmanageable. It doesn't matter what or how much we used in Narcotics Anonymous, staying clean has to come first. We realize that we cannot use drugs and live when we admit our powerlessness and our inability to manage our own lives. We open the door to recovery. No one could convince us that we were addicts. It is an admission that we have to make for ourselves. When some of us have doubts, we ask ourselves this question. Can I control my use of any form of mind or mood altering chemicals? And, uh, so my comment on that's going to be, um, yeah, it's easy, uh, to, to say, look, I can't, I can't control that. And it goes back to a few paragraphs before, do we understand that we have no real control over drugs? That question there, that was a real, real easy. Yes. Um, for me. And then, uh, you know, the, the, the one gentleman says sometimes, I think he was a guest or something. He's like, look, man, step, you know, step one for the most part is an examination of the evidence. What I really have, um, highlighted underlined, my text is staying clean has to come first. Um, and, you know, and, and, I, and, and that perspective makes it, you know, makes it an easy yes when it's time to, to do something for NA. So I'll pass. Thank you. Brian? I really like the last sentence there. Can I, can I control my use of any form of mood or mind-altering chemicals? And just thinking about my experience, like I remember when I when I told myself, I said, you know, well, my addiction was to to opiates, opioids, et cetera. And I, I would say, I'm just gonna use, you know, just a few times here, 
you know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna start a streak because I know when, once that streak gets to a certain amount of days, you know, then I'm gonna start to feel the withdrawal. Like I was so deathly afraid of the withdrawal because that's when that's when I become really unmanageable. Like that's when I will steal from you, I will cheat you, I will lie to you, I will manipulate you. You know, I'll do all the things that go against you know my higher power's will for my life and how you know he wants me to behave. And, and it's always the same case. Like I can never control it. You know, one is too many, thousands never enough. And like a guy from down south says, they don't, don't make enough. You know, they don't make enough drugs for us to use. You know, that's that's where I'm at with it. You know what I mean? And, and one of the best quotes that I've ever heard about the first step, you know, I just wanted to share with everyone listening out there. If you don't fight, you don't get beat. So that's what I have to pound myself, you know, pound into my brain every day. If I if I give up the fight, you know, I'm not going to get beat. It's just that simple. You know, my 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 recovery is based on working the first step every day. You know, I'm glad I'm glad we're getting into the solution here. But uh, thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Allison, and then Phil. Um, I keep looking at the sentence. No one could convince us that we were addicts. It is an admission that we have to make for ourselves. Um, and, and that's often something that I have to remind myself when I come across people in active addiction, um, that nobody could tell me until I was ready to be honest with myself um, that, that I was an addict. Um, I had to see that unmanageability in my own life and, and surrender to that. Um, I know that I've got some friends in the program who try to convince people in their lives that they're addicts and it's fruitless. Um, yeah, I, I just, I don't know the, and then the, the sentence that Brian touched on, can I control my use of any form of mind or mood altering chemicals? Um, for me, like what's triggered is, is like play the tape through play that tape through and see what happens. Like if I pick up that substance, what's next? How am I going to feel the next day? What am I going to want to do? And the day after that, like it's going to snowball. Um, and, and a lot of times, I mean, even not just with picking up drugs, but any sick behaviors I have, I have to stop and think, okay, if, I lie to my boyfriend about the shopping trip I went on, you know, am I going to feel crappy about that? Um, maybe I should reconsider this action. Um, you know, it, it, my disease manifests in so many ways. And so, you know, mind or mood altering chemicals is just one of the ways that manifests. But I do have to say that if you are listening to this, and you're wondering if you're an addict, I've been told and I've heard before that most addicts, I mean, most people who aren't addicts don't ask themselves that question. They don't need to question it. Um, and, you know, I get in that mindset sometimes too. Am I really an addict? Like it's been so long since I've used, maybe I could do it successfully. And again, I have to go back and play that tape through. If I have to ask myself that question, I already know the answer, and that's all I got. Thanks, Allison. Phil? Is it me now? 
Yes, it is. Hi. Oh, oh okay. Okay. I thought she said, uh, okay, I'm sorry. Uh, uh, wow, wow, good stuff. Um, uh, all the um, the steps are uh, an, an action step, but uh, but but we admitted, you know, uh, with the admission now, uh, I now have a entranceway. Okay, I now have a ticket. I got a way in, and uh, all the steps are uh, an action step. So, what action uh, am I taking? And staying clean uh, has to come first. Um, I'm one of the um, members uh, in uh, in our fellowship. You know how our, writ our literature is written, designed with the steps and traditions. Although this is step one that we are uh, discussing, I don't take that out of context, and I cherish that uh, has to come first because uh, the next sentence it says we realize that we cannot use drugs and live. Uh, the action of me using is going to kill me. And I, I want to live. Uh, that is like the most important action I, I can do in this step. Uh, the pandemic has been going on. Things in my sponsorship family, uh, several mem members are out and then even a, a couple guys I have had sponsored and, uh, and uh, they've uh, picked up a little bit of time, but but I don't beat them up coming back. I, I fan the flames of desire. But one thing I do ask them, what happened to our steps? You know, what happened to our steps? And especially, what happened to step one? That's all I got. Thank you. I'm going to read this next piece. Most addicts will see that control is impossible the moment it is suggested. Whatever the outcome, we find that we cannot control our using for any length of time. <clears throat> I, you know, I, I was around the program for about a year before I finally stayed clean. I didn't use very many times. I used a few times. The last time I used, uh, I didn't want to. And that was the first time I had ever experienced that using against my will. So reading this, most addicts will see that control is impossible. The moment it's suggested, I was like, I can, I, you know, I only use, and you hear people say this, I only use because I want to. That's the only reason I use. Don't tell me that I don't have control over it because I mean, yeah, I'm an addict, but I can control it, right? I only use because I want to. And I didn't know that. I didn't know, I was one of those people, I said that, you know, and uh, I didn't know that really that using against my will was possible, you know, and, and I couldn't admit that I was powerless over my addiction until I realized that that was true. Anyone else? Okay, let's move on. Uh, <laughs> I would say not Allison. Eva, you want to read the next paragraph there? <laughs> can't hear you. Eva, we can't oh, wait, hear you. Most addicts. Uh, this would clearly suggest. Okay, thank you. This would clearly suggest that an addict has no control over drugs. Powerlessness means using drugs against our will. If we can't stop using, how can we tell ourselves we are in control? The inability to stop using, even with the greatest willpower and the most sincere desire, is what we mean when we say we have absolutely no choice. However, we do have a choice after we stop trying to justify our using. 
We didn't stumble into this fellowship brimming with love, honesty, open-mindedness, or willingness. We reached a point where we could no longer continue using because of physical, mental, and spiritual pain. When we were beaten, we became willing. Do you want to share about that, Eva? I remember, I remember when I got here, I was so angry and uh, had such a short fuse. And it reminds me, you know, we don't, it says we don't stumble into the fellowship with love, honesty, and open-mindedness or willingness. And um, again, it's one of those things that I forget. Like I expect people to just accept that I'm going to come up and hug them and welcome them into they came, they must want me to do these things. So uh, I hope I didn't, I haven't scared anybody off ever by like maybe being overly excited to see a newcomer. Because when I think about it, when I first got here, it was like, mm -mm, you know, don't hug me. So um, it just reminded me of that. I, um, I remember I was just in so much spiritual pain. I just didn't feel like I was worthy of that, I guess, hug and welcoming committee kind of feeling. I just was like, still had such a guard up that they would want something from me. And um, so it's nice to be reminded um, that, that when we, when, you know, we're just, we just are so beaten and um, it's hard to not like a dog that's beaten, you know, it cowers every time somebody comes near it. That's kind of how I felt when I got here. So um, what I know is, is that the further I went into this step, the better off I felt. So this is just like um, by, the, by the grace of my higher power of memory, not um, facts for me today. So, but that's just all I have on that. Thank you. Edgar? Yeah, so uh, these two paragraphs are, I could relate to a lot of this. And, um, you know, it talks, it says right here in the first one, um, it talks about our inability to stop using, even with the greatest willpower. And this is what we mean when we say we have absolutely no choice. However, we do have a choice after we stop trying to justify our using. Um, that was a big thing for me when I got clean this time. Like every time I would relapse and come back in, I had a, an excuse for why I was going to use again, you know, and it was always picking out the differences between me and other people. And it was like, this is just a face. I'm not, I'm not old enough. You know, when I was like 17 or, um, you know, I haven't done those drugs that those people have done. I haven't done drugs this way. Like these people have done and, it was always justifications, man. And, you know, kind of what uh, Donna was talking about earlier of using against my will, like before I got clean this last time, like I remember at night saying like, okay, this is it. Like I need to go get clean tomorrow or waking up in the morning and being like, I'm not using today. And five minutes later, it's like, I'm calling somebody to get some dope. Right. Cause I could not stop. Like I just could not go through with it as much as I wanted to, as much as I didn't want to continue to get high, like I just couldn't do it. Um, which kind of ties in with the, when we were beating, beaten, we became willing, right? Like 
you know, in my story, it's like when I got to that point where I literally was at my, at the end of my road and had no other choice, like I showed up at a meeting um, and, you know, it's back to the, no one could convince me that I was an addict thing, right? Like there was no rehab, no mom, dad, family member, friend, uh, court that could tell me that I was an addict and that I needed help and that I should stay clean. Like no one could tell me that stuff. Right. And, uh, you know, the last time when I, this last time when I got clean, I went to a meeting by my own will because I didn't know where else to go. And like, you know, it really took, you know, doing all these things that I said I wouldn't do all these yets and, feeling real shitty about myself and being real like broken like it talks about spiritually mentally physically to be willing to like do these things right um so you know i i think these two paragraphs say a lot about you know what my early recovery was like and and it's a lot of stuff that i had to take in early on and, and realize that like i do have a choice Right. When I have one day clean, I have a choice of whether I use or not. Um, And it's my responsibility with a day clean to not pick up that drug. And it's still my responsibility with five years clean to not pick up that drug. Right. On a daily basis. Um, I can't justify it anymore. Like there is no excuse. So thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Paul. And then Jessica. Yeah, I, um, uh, there is a, a fundamental difference between willpower and willingness, and I have to remember that. Um, willingness is what I need in Narcotics Anonymous. Willpower is not something that I need, which is a relief to me because, uh, you know, people were telling me, get some willpower. You know what I mean? Just don't do it. Just don't stop doing what you're doing. And, and it's amazing to me. We would never say to a diabetic, you know, if you just got some willpower, you could lower your blood sugar. You know, if you you could if you had some willpower, you could make that tumor grow smaller. But every day there's somebody telling an addict somewhere, if you just pull up your bootstraps and stop getting high, you wouldn't have this problem. And we all know that we wanted to do that and couldn't and couldn't and um and i was relieved to come in here and read that the willpower wasn't i wasn't a bad person trying to get good because that was that scared me i figured that i was just broken and and when you, when i got here you said you're not broken you ha- you have a disease and here's how to treat it and that was mind blowing because I had thought that I, I was just fundamentally wrong. And, and you said, no, we can, we can fix this. Um, and, and, and this is how, come with us. So um, thank you for that. I appreciate that. Thanks. Thank you, Paul. So I, I keep coming back to this last line. Um, when we were beaten, we became willing. Um, and I, I have the definition of beaten here and it's under attack by severe and unyielding pain. Um, and that's pretty serious. Uh, 
And I mean, like this line is, it's one of those cliche lines that you hear. I hear it tossed around all the time. And they're like, oh, so-and-so is out doing whatever, you know, obviously they don't have enough pain yet. When they get enough pain, they'll come back or, or something along, along those lines. Um, and I could see like where I can apply this to my life when I was using, um, you know, there was a point when I understood like, yeah, this ain't fun anymore. Like there was a point where I had constant, severe, unyielding pain, you know? Um, and then even like, like being clean, I've had a couple of these points still, like it doesn't stop when, when you stop using drugs. Um, and I think like I, I can put myself, like I can beat myself up so bad that, that I can get to this point. Um, and, and sometimes it requires like behavior changes. And sometimes it's just like a perspective change. Like I know, um, when I got a year clean, I lost custody of my, of my child and had been trying to get it back ever since. And it just took so long. You know, I know they say like, you don't come in and, and guarantee you get your kids back and, and all that stuff. But I kind of expected it because everybody else was getting theirs back. Um, but so it didn't happen as fast as I thought it would. And I just, I remember like reaching a point of like hopelessness. And I think that's when I had just beaten myself up so bad. I was like, okay, this is miserable. Like, what can I do? Um, and so I would like, you know, reach out to people and, and then that kind of stuff. And that was where a perspective change um, really changed a lot of things for me. Like, you know, through, through like working steps and coming to meetings and um, talking to you guys, like I, it doesn't have to get as like, I don't, I don't have to be beaten every time to be willing to do something about it. And I think that's been one of the biggest, um, um, like one of the biggest changes in me since getting clean and working steps and in recovery has just been that um, I don't let it get as earth shattering or I don't let it get as bad before I become willing to do it, uh, do something about it. Like when I was out there using, like I wasn't willing to hear that that I had a problem, that I was an, an addict. And um, just with being more open-minded, like if you <laughs> want to point out something that I'm doing terribly, like I'll listen now, you know? Um, and so that was a big deal for me. Thanks. Thanks, Jessica. Um, Allison, will you read the next paragraph or two? Our inability to control our usage of drugs is a symptom of the disease of addiction. We are powerless not only over drugs, but over our addiction as well. We need to admit this fact in order to recover. Addiction is a physical, mental, and spiritual disease that affects every area of our lives. The physical aspect of our disease is the compulsive use of drugs, the inability to stop using once we have started. The mental aspect of our disease is the obsession or overpowering desire to use, even when we are destroying our lives. The spiritual part of our disease is our total self-centeredness. We felt that we could stop whenever we wanted to, despite all evidence to the contrary. Denial, substitution, rationalization, justification, distrust of others, guilt, embarrassment, dereliction, degradation, isolation, and loss of control are all results of our disease. Our disease is progressive, incurable, and fatal. Most of us are relieved to find out we have a disease instead of a moral deficiency. 
Um, I mean, just I have this highlighted from pre previously reading it. The, the whole denial, substitution, rationalization, justification, distrust of others, guilt, embarrassment, dereliction, degradation, isolation, and loss of control are all results of our disease. Um, and, you know, if I, I look back at all my consequences of using, like, I can check all those boxes off. Um, and I'm definitely t still to this day self-centered. The difference is, is that um, when I'm, I'm working a program and applying spiritual principles in my life, I'm not completely and totally self-centered. I have the ability to see outside of myself a little bit more. Um, but I do still have a tendency to think that take everything personally, like, like um, and I have to be reminded that it's not always about me and it's not always personal. Um, but you know, the, the inability to control our using and being powerless over drugs and our addiction and, and admitting that this is a disease and, and seeing all this, all of these consequences as a result that's that's what brought me in here i was tired of all the consequences of all this i was tired of the embarrassment the guilt distrusting others you know i was tired of always having to come up with excuses and um you know it was only getting worse so i don't know i feel like i'm rambling now but that's all i got thanks thanks allison edgar yeah, so uh, there's a lot in these two paragraphs. One thing that really stood out to me was, you know, there's this whole list of things that we always talk about for the most part. And then at the end, it talks about loss of control. Um, you know, and I remember when I first got clean and I was going through my first step and I asked this dude with a couple decades clean what powerless meant to him. And he said um, that when... He said, when I admit I'm powerless, all he means is that I gain more power over my disease because he's like, I admit that I'm powerless over drugs, but it gives me the options to do something about it, right? And, uh, you know, this loss of control is something I definitely experienced in active addiction. Um, but, you know, it's kind of a, like, I, it sounds ironic and, and it took me a while to understand it, but you know, today I know, like, if I'm struggling with something, if I'm struggling with powerlessness specifically, and I'm able to get to that point where it's like, you know, I am powerless over this. Um, you know, what recovery did for me was when I could see using as something I had no control over, it gave me a whole spectrum of things that I could do about it, right? It wasn't just like, there's one way to stay clean. And we've talked about this here before about all these brands of recovery, right? Like there's different ways to do recovery. And that's what, you know, admitting powerlessness over my disease did for me. It was like, okay, you have this problem. You can't control it when you're using. So here's all these templates. Here's all these tools. Here's all these options that now you have because you've admitted this powerlessness. Um, 
you know, and, and I always think about the piece in, in somewhere in the basic text about how our world shrinks when we use, right? And it's like, when I get clean, when I'm in recovery, when I'm working a program, when I'm going through steps, anything's possible, really. My world just opens up and I can do whatever I choose, right? Because I have that freedom of choice because I've admitted that I'm powerless. Um, so anyways, thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Paul. Yeah, I um, I remember an old time when I first got clean and I was do, you know talking about the first step and powerlessness. He said, you're gonna get some back. He said, if you stick around long enough and make it to the 11th step, you'll get some power back and the self-centeredness, the self-centeredness that is part of the spiritual will come back in the 11th step when you start seeking God's will and the power to carry that out. And you will have power based on not your will, not your egocentricity, but on something higher that will help guide you. And that was a, that was a moment of like, oh, okay. Because I think when I hear powerlessness, when I first get clean, it's like, then I don't have to do anything. I'm just gonna be here and be powerless. And I can't do anything. I'm powerless over people, places, and things. I'm power, I'm power all of it. And, and, and I was in a meeting last night and I shared, um, there's some things I'm not powerless over. I'm not powerless over my meeting attendance. I'm not powerless over my uh, writing on my steps. I'm not powerless about calling my sponsor. There's some things I can do that, that I am empowered to do when I come to Narcotics Anonymous. The other thing I wanted to, um, uh, Phil alluded to it about admission. That word is important in our steps. It's, it's in the first, the fifth and the 10th step. And so it's a word that is thoughtfully used and admission is not just to state something because they could have said we stated or we averred or something, but they said we admitted and to let something in, to admit is not my nature. I have that disease that wants me to isolate. I got high by myself at the end. And ad to admit is to let something in. And first of all, it was just y'all letting y'all in. And that was, ooh, ooh, that was tough. Cause you'd come up and you tried to hug me and we'd sit, stand around and pray in a circle and, you know, and uh, keep coming back. And I scared the hell out of me when you said stuff like that, I get nervous. And um, especially a kid who, you know, saw groups as threatening, you know, especially a whole bunch of straight people yelling it at you. I was like, oh my God, what, am I, what have I gotten myself into? And I, there was some ability to just calm down and let you help me. And that has been, that's made all the difference. So thanks. Thanks, Paul. Douglas. Yeah, I wanted to um, just to, to kind of speak for a second on how to, the the application of the of the first step, and and that's um like some step meetings I go to, and and even now, you know, I'm really curious about what does the application, you know, like how do you actually work, you know, a step, and and so we have some listeners who are kind of saying, okay, look, you know, going through this, but what does that look like? And I think we have some options, you know, there's there's worksheets being passed around all the time, you know, which is which is really cool, and we have a uh, the flat book, the step working guide, which is, you know, used a lot too. And, and I'm just going to share, 
you know, how, how I have my guys um, do step one is, is two paragraphs. The first paragraph talks about powerlessness, you know, and, and, and write on, on that one paragraph what powerless is. And, and we see it in this paragraph, right? It means that, look, we're using drugs against our will. And then that's the lead in to where it says this. It's like we're power, powerless, not only over drugs, but over our addiction as well. So, you know, we make we make that one admission and it leads into the next. So that's that's the first part of step one. The second part is right here, um, this paragraph that Allison read. I know that we're it's not we're not going to talk about part two until a few more paragraphs now, but this is the list right here, right? This is, this is because I'm powerless. Here's how unmanageability shows up in my life. And it's in these areas, denial, substitution, you know, but in, and what are some of the big ones? Dereliction, degradation, isolation, loss of control of different things. And then, you know, here in a couple of paragraphs later, we'll look at unemployability and destruction, you know, uh, or, or being the easy ones to see. And so if, if folks are listening and saying, okay, look, you know, we're talking about that, but how do we actually apply that? That's, that's my experience. And with the guys that I work with, you know, step one's two, two paragraphs, paragraph one, you know, how, how have I demonstrated powerlessness and step two, how is unmanageability came out in my life? And it's a discussion. Now I know some folk, you know, maybe say, look, we're going to rock and roll with step one for a year, you know, God bless, do your thing, you know, this and that, I'm just sharing a different perspective. And then, um, uh, and then, and then the last thing, the the self-centeredness piece, um, man, that lights my my spirit because, uh, you know how how I identified what was that spiritual part of the disease. I, I was cool with the obsession and compulsion. Easy, man. I could I could look at myself. Yep, I'm obsessed. I'm compulsed. You know, and th- there's still things in my life now that I, I'm a consumer, man. I'm a consumer, and using that's my default. I'm a consumer. But now I can be a giver you know, of my time and talents and whatever it is. And, and, and the old timers told me, man, look, takers get clean, givers stay clean, you know, choose which one you want to be, you know, so I'm going to pass on that. Brian. <laughs> yeah. Um, th- these were really two good paragraphs here. And, uh, you know, where it talks about addiction being physical, mental, and spiritual, um, you know, all I really have to do is look back at, you know, past photographs of myself, and I can really point out it, it doesn't take long to identify, like, okay, here I was clean, here I was using, because uh, I, I look nowhere the same, you know, what addiction does to me is it, is it, is it, it drains my face, you know, I, I look skeletal-like, uh, I have no weight to my body because all I do is use, you know, I don't want to eat, you know, because I'm worried about blowing my high. Mentally, mentally, I'm obsessed. You know, that's that's the biggest thing. Where am I going to get the next one? You know, uh, when, am I going to run out? You know, how much do I need to stretch out so I don't get sick? Uh, spiritually, you know, it, it wraps it up for me in one in one like statement. I'm, I'm absent from God. I'm isolated from him. And I'm going to get really real here. You want to talk about degradation. I mean, I don't want to get too graphic, but I mean, we can all relate if, if we were in this situation. Um, you know, I, I know one time, you know, when I was an IV drug user, you know, they, this guy, he said, I was really looking for, you know, the piece to use. And he said, listen, man, he said, I don't have any kind of regular thing, but what I do have here is something that they, that they would use on a horse. You know, it's like this big thing. And I said, give it to me. You know, so I stick this big thing in my arm and it creates this big hole, you know, and all I could think about is like, what, what am I doing here, man? 
you know, like, what am I doing to myself? You know, that's where addiction took me, man. It took me to places where I never thought I would be. You know, here's a guy that came from a loving family, you know, a decent family. And, and you know, addiction took me to the depths of, of where I never wanted to be. But, you know, thank God for, the, for this program and this fellowship, man. Like, if I apply this to my life a day at a time, I never have to go back to that. You know, that, that's the hope of the program. But uh, thanks for letting me share. I know we're running short on time here. Hi, right, thanks, Brian. Phil, you want to read the next paragraph for us and share on it? Um, we are responsible for our disease, but we are we are responsible for our recovery. We are not responsible for our disease, but we are responsible for our recovery. Most of us tried to stop using on our own, but we were unable to live with or without drugs. Eventually, we realized that we were powerless over our addiction. Many of us tried to stop using on sheer willpower. Uh, uh, this, this action was temporary, was a temporary solution. We saw that willpower alone would not work for any length of time. Uh, we tried countless other remedies, psychiatry, hospital, recovery houses, lovers, new towns, new jobs. Everything that we tried failed. We began to see that we had rationalized the most outrageous sort of nonsense to justify the mess that we made of our lives of drugs. Uh, yeah, real, real quick, quick on on that. Uh, yeah, uh, I, I I know for me at the, at the end end of my road, uh, I I did realize um, I was I had a problem, and I d did realize that things uh, uh, was was really helter skelter for me, and, and especially at the end. But uh, but even in that process, uh, I, I tried all kinds of uh, ways and means. If I'm over here with this one, and if I'm over here with that one, and if I do this drug this way and that way, and uh, if I mix this with that, and if I stop this and that, you know, and all, all this nonsense. And uh, if I could just be uh, 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 over at this place and... Uh, all this well like it says countless remedies and and they all failed until i got in um narcotics anonymous and uh, that's all i have thank you anyone jessica would you read that next paragraph and share on it and then i think we're going to be close to done can't hear you which one? Um, until we until, let go. Mm -hmm. uh, until we let go of our reservations, no matter what they are, the foundation of our recovery is in danger. Reservations rob us of the benefits that this program has to offer. In ridding ourselves of all reservations, we surrender. Then and only then can we be helped to recover from the disease of addiction. Okay, well, Jessica's not gonna share on that, so I will. I just wanted to say that, um, you know, we, there's spiritual principles attached to all of our steps. And the spiritual principle that's most attached to this step is 
honesty. And when it comes to um, telling the truth about ourselves and about our disease, this is where um, admitting powerlessness and unmanageability are. I was so frightened of powerlessness and I thought what I was doing by admitting I was powerless was I giving, was giving over my power. But honestly, but re in reality, all I was doing was telling the truth about that I was powerless over my addiction. And that was just the truth of it. Paul? I had about nine months clean and, um, you know, I was talking about reservations and I, you know, I always thought, you know, if my parents passed away or something like that was kind of in my, you know, thought process when you're writing about reservations. And there was a gentleman who had a couple of months more than me about, you know, not much more than me uh, clean. And he stood in his uh, house in his picture window over looking out at the street. And he saw his five-year-old son on a bike and a car get his child and uh, killed him instantly. And uh, he came into those meetings and he shared about it and shared about it and shared about it. And, uh, you know, 30 years later, he's still clean. And I, at that moment in time, I thought to myself, there's nothing that I, you know, we, we, you know, we justify the most outlandish things. That's what reservation is, is justifying the most outlandish things. I hear people in meetings like, if we, if, if my parents die, I'll, I'll, I'll use. The only thing that my parents ever wanted was for me to be clean and to use their death as a reason to get high would be such a, such a dis, dishonor. And uh, there's really no good reason to get high. We might think about it. We might have all kinds of reservations, but there's not a good reason. And we don't need to uh, justify the most outlandish things. So that's what I got, thanks. There's certainly nothing going on that getting loaded can't make worse, right? Right. Thank you for walking with us on this journey. Please reflect on what was discussed and apply it to your life. Share this resource with anyone you feel led to do so with. Tune in next time as we'll pick up where we left off. We'll chunk these in hour-long sessions. Namaste and God bless.